Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Give Me 40 Minutes or So, and I'll give you a daf, our daf shui, weekly daf podcast. I'm Arye Cohen. I am pleased to be teaching this daf. Um, we are now on uh, in Baba Batra, 11b. We're about, if you're following along in the shots printed by the brothers and widow Ra'im, it's five... Uh, lines more or less from the bottom at the two dots, Amar Mar. That's where we're going to start. We're in the middle of talking about how do people have claims over a joint alleyway and what does it mean to have those claims and question of whether one can, if one's uh, courtyard opens up onto the joint alleyway, if one could put a some sort of a block in front of it, a fence around the courtyard because you have four amot, four cubits, that's not that helpful, about four yards in front of your courtyard. It's actually less than four yards. It doesn't make a difference. Can you put a fence around that? So the problem is then other people walking down the courtyard, walking down the uh, alleyway takes long, longer time for them to get around it. And it's also a question basically of, of what kind of, ultimately the, the theoretical question, the justice question, is what kind of a claim do people have to joint semi-public property. We're talking about an alley that ends in, uh, that's kind of a, a cul-de-sac that ends in a wall, not an alley, not a mavoy that's mifulash, which means an alley that's broken through to Rishut Rabim to public domain on both sides, which uh, the Gemara will deal with right now. Okay, so we start with Amar Mar. Now, Amar Mar is usually means that we're restating something that was stated a little while before. In other words, it's an editorial or a stomach comment telling us that we're going back to something that was when that some line of a bright, uh, some Tanaitic text that we had already started to explicate. And the line that comes up is actually a line that's part of the immediately previ- previous discussion. However, this Amar Mar seems to be a false Amar Mar. It's not in any of the manuscripts, but it does. What happens is that we had a conversation, a, a little discussion about a Braita that we had before. Go back and see if it's like 10 lines up. Tanai hi detanya. This is a Braita. If a person wanted to open up an opening into another alleyway, if his house and courtyard were between two alleyways, one of the people in the other alleyway can stop him from doing it. Right, because we'll bring more people into that alleyway, all kinds of reasons. If it was, if however, there had been an opening there and then it was blocked up and he just wants to open it up again, so then the other uh, people in the other alleyway cannot stop him from doing that. And then, so this opens the question of what it means, what does access mean, who has rights, this seems to be that. So this is what it's going to go. So our Gemara now is talking about that line, um, and the Amar Mar seems to be out of place because this is just a continuation of the conversation. The conversation just went to the left. It wasn't, didn't stop and start start again. And in fact, the printers were waylaid by the Amar Mar and they added a colon here, two dots, which is in, in English, for those who are fluent in yeshivish, it's called two dots, not a colon, nekudotayim in Hebrew. So that Amar Mar is, probably came because of the two dots, but it's not in any of the manuscripts, so we're going to skip that. So the Brighta said there was, if it was stopped up and he wanted to open that doorway that had been 
closed. So then the people in the other alleyway cannot stop him. Amar Rava, and in some manuscripts it's Rava, who was a generation before Rava and his his teacher. Lo shano ela shalo paratz et pitzimav. So that is only talking about if when the doorway was stopped up, they didn't destroy the mezuzot, the side parts of the door. So if they completely destroyed and plastered out and, and you know, bricked up or put stones in the doorway, says so you don't even see that it's a doorway, the doorway is completely erased. So then, then, it, then he has given up any rights to having that opening. And then the people from the other alleyway can stop him from opening it up afresh, anew. So Abaye said to Rava about this comment, Tanya de Masayelach, so there is a brighta which helps you out, which supports what you're saying. Bayit Satum Yeshlo Dalid Amot. Paratit Pitsimav Ainlo Dalid Amot. And so a house whose doorway is blocked up gets the four amot. So in front we had said last week, if you have a doorway, there's four amot, this area before, four amot squared before your doorway. There's an area that you can unload stuff. That's, it's, so you can use, the doorway is usable. If you, all you have is a doorway, but you're not allowed to use anything in front of it, so then it's not usable. Or if everybody can use something in front of it, so then you can't have your access. So if you have a house and you've closed a door, you don't use it anymore. Imagine it doesn't mean that all the doors are closed because then the house is not usable. But if you close one door, so in that situation, paratz et pitzimav ein lo If you destroyed the mezuzot of the door, if you destroyed the side of the door, so that you can't see that there was ever a doorway there, then uh, you don't get the usage of the four amot before the previous doorway. But if, so this helps, this is actually a support for Rabbah, who said that uh, there's a, who drew the distinction between an opening, a doorway that was blocked and a doorway that was erased. And now we, we skip the, the part that's in the parentheses. It's in none of the manuscripts that I checked. Bayit satum, enometameh, so a house which is stopped up does not, if a person goes within four amot of the house, the person is not, doesn't become impure if there is a dead body in the house. But if there was a doorway and it was completely destroyed, so then it's considered, as, and then it was blocked over, so you can't see there's a doorway, so then it's considered, so then it does make impure on all sides of it and not just by the, the door, it's because that's considered like a grave. Right? And a grave is tamay all around, all around. It is impure all around. I'm a rabbi, Barbar Chana, I'm a rabbi Yochanan, Zerubi Barachana, Sende Rabbi Yochanan, Mivoot Hamafula Shot Leir Acheret, Ubikshu Bene Hair Lissot Mam, Bene Otahair Makvin Alehem. So uh, Rabbi Yochanan said that if you have an alleyway which is open up, opens to another city, and that other city wanted to stop it up so the citizens of that city can of the city that they wanted to open it up into can stop them from doing that so this is of course if there's no other way so so 
even if there is another way, they can also stop them from doing this. In other words, if this was the only way to get from city A to city B, so of course the people in city B could stop them from blocking up the passage into the other city. But even if there is another way, there's only one of two ways to get in, they can still block it up, even though you would think, oh, why should they be able to block it up? There's another way to go. They say, no, you're allowed to do this. So this is a question of access. And here you have a somewhat semi-private, semi-public alleyway that you can make claims on or not. And the other people in the other city can lay claims on it saying, well, we have a, we have a right to walk through this alleyway into our city. Mishum de Reb Yehuda Amarav. This is from Reb Yehuda said in the name of Rav Damar. Meitzer shechziku bo rabim asur lekalkalo. If you have something that is, if you have a, a piece of property that the public has a chazaka on, that the public owns, so you cannot destroy it. In other words, even though it's public property, you cannot do something about it. You can't like go there and 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 throw your garbage there, or, or, or dig it up, okay? Okay, once again, we're gonna skip the parentheses. So Rav Anan says in the name of Shmuel, Shmuel is a, one of the first generation Babylonian Amoraim, Rav Anan was a student of his, so if, a, a, an alleyway which is open onto a public, the public domain. And the, people who live along the alleyway in their courtyards or their houses open onto the alleyway. And they wanted to put doorways on the alleyway. So the Bnei Rishut Rabim me'akvin alehem. So the, those people of the Bnei Rishut Rabim, which basically has to mean anybody in the city, can stop them from doing it. So they're putting doorways on the part of their property facing the alleyway. And they said, no, you can't do that. So we would have thought, so we think that this is talking about in the four amot that is in front of every person's house, right? So in other words, that I'm walking down the alleyway, there's a, uh, walking down the alleyway, it's like 10 feet across, and then I see on my left is, there's a you know, doorway in the wall leading into a courtyard. So in front of that doorway, in the, in the alleyway, there's four amot, like an amot is something like 18 inches. So it's like four amot is like, whatever, six feet, two yards, and into the alleyway. And so that's a lot if, in a ten, if it's like 10 feet across. And so if I'm walking, and there are a lot of people walking, and then you're putting this barrier in the alleyway, it stops, it makes it really hard to get down the alleyway, so I can stop you from doing that. So we thought that was the case, that putting it into the alleyway. This is according to Reb who said in the name of Reb Nachman, because Reb said in the name of Reb Nachman, because the four amot that are right next to the Rishut Rabim are like Rishut Rabim. So even though they belong to an individual, they're considered to be public. So therefore the public has a say in what goes on. Velohi, but that's actually not true. That's not the reason. Hatam linyan tuma. There, in that, in usually that law, Zerah said the name of Nachman's, Rav Nachman's statement was about tum'ah, was about impurity, that the four amot next to Shudra Abim are, about, are like the public domain for, for laws of impurity. But here, the problem is not that. The problem is that if you have 
a lot of people in Rishut Rabim, so you have like a traffic jam in not Rishut Rabim, in the Mavu, you have the traffic jam, so they push into that part and they can't help it. So you can't allow somebody to take over, even if it's in front of his own property, somebody to take over that space. Um, now, this is just uh, a reminder, this is a tag back to, as we say here, Los Angeles is a tag back to the first sugya after on this Mishnah, which is talking on the previous Mishnah, which is talking about the fact that why would you need a Beit Shar and a, uh, a gate and a gatehouse is because sometimes people walk along the Rishud Rabim and they get pushed up into it. So here we're talking again about other implications of the fact that people get pushed up into the into your into your Rishud. Okay, below and so now we finish that part of the Mishnah, the first part of the Mishnah. On Yud Aleph Hamad Aleph, and now we're going on to the next part of the mission. Below it's a sadeh sheyehei ba tishak kabin lezev tishak kabin lezev. So you can't remember we said you can't divide up a field until there is the amount of a field that each person can produce nine kavin from that field. And then Rabbi Yehuda said it's nine half kavin. Okay, so the Gemara says v'lapligging, and it's actually not. They're not disputing the Tanakama, the first opinion, and Rabbi Huda. Marki Atre, Marki Atre. Each of them is just talking about what happens in their town. So one, so if you have an area that produces, that has really good soil, produces a lot of food, so the soil is, is you know, it grows well. So therefore, you need uh, in less area, you get more food. You get more produce. You get more fruit, whatever it is that you're growing. So therefore, in that area, you get nine kavin because uh, it'll be this otherwise it'll be a very small area but in a place where it's rocky or the the ground does not the soil does not is not rich you get say that you have to produce nine half kavin because you would need the same amount of area to produce the nine half kavin okay so this is talking about two different places in Eretz Yisrael in the land of Israel but what's the story in Bavel right and this is an interesting this is one of the many sugyot where the Bavli is translating the Eretz Yisraeli Halacha into Babel. Amar Rav Yosef, Bey Rido Yoma. So Rav Yosef said that in Babel, what we do is we say it's the amount that you can plow in a day. My Bey Rido Yoma. So then he asks, why? What does that mean? Plow for what? So if, of course, if you're going to say it's to plow in order to to turn over the earth in order to seed, to plant. So then on the other end, uh, it's not going to be, so if you ha- if that's what you have, then you're not going to have enough for when you turn over the land initially, right? There's two parts. Iyoma karva, yoma dezara lahavi. And if it's actually, if it's a, a, a day of just initially breaking the land, breaking the ground, that takes less time and you're not going to have enough for, Seeding. So in other words, you have two, seemingly you have two different types of measurements and that one day of planting is not twice one day, not twice the amount that it would take to do the turning over of the ground. And so therefore they don't fit neatly into each other. So which are you talking about, Zara or Karba? So you might say, so one possibility is that we're talking about a day of karva, a day of turning over the earth, is actually turning over the earth and going back and doing it again. So that comes out. So in other words, you have to do it twice. And it could be that yoma bahadure. So, or you could say that it's talking about a day of planting with somebody who does the planting for you, 
right? Bahadur. So somebody does the plant. So with a planter, so they, they go faster. Davla, Amar of Nachman, Bey Dali Yoma, a field that has a water source. So Rav Nachman said, it's, a, it's the amount that you can water in a day. Pardesa, an orchard, Amar Abu Adishmuel, Bat Shloshit Kavin. So a water source is you get three cubbings. So these are all the amount that you have that you need for each person to get in order to divide up a field. And they're all these different measurements, which are based on the actual agricultural yield of the fields. And they're different in the land of Israel and they're different in Bavel. And they're probably different in Los Angeles. Amar Abu Adishmuel, so three cubbings. So if somebody says to their friend, I am selling you a portion of a, of a vineyard, Sumcha says that this means that you can't, that you're not giving him less than, th- than the amount that would produce three kav of grapes. So Rabbi Yossi says, and this is an interesting phrase, these are only word. These are only words of prophecy. So now the the commentators are actually split about whether or not here words of prophecy mean this is foolishness, because perhaps how do you know how much land is going to produce need to produce three kavin? It could be different in different years, or that niviot from the you know the, the words of prophecy meaning wow that's a really insightful phrase. It's interesting, though, because we're going to get this is going to lead into a whole discussion of prophecy. So the fact that they are ambivalent about the status of prophecy is actually interesting and leads into the next discussion in a minute. Okay. Bibavel Mai. So what do we do in Bavel? What is the measurement? Amarabha Barkasna Tzlat Atziata B'nei Tresar Gofni. So in Bavel, we have a much more standardized measurement. We have three rows of 12 vines. So that a person can plow them in one day. So now going back to the prophecy. Rabbi Avdimi from Chaifa says, From the time that the, that the temple was destroyed, prophecy was taken from the prophets and given to the sages. So now this is kind of a, a mind-blowing move, but this is at the same time at the heart of the rabbinic enterprise. It's saying that it is replacing sa- prophets with sages and saying that actually the, the, the act of being a sage, the work of being a sage is what prophecy is. Right? It comes out though, it's very, though prophets are oracular. There's some sort of direct connection with God or something along those lines. And Sages are interpretive, they go through texts, but now what they're saying that they are displacing prophets in favor of sages. Is not a chacham, a sage, a prophet? Isn't a sage the same thing as a prophet? This is what he said. So even though prophecy was taken from Nivim, from the prophets, it was not taken from the sages. It's actually reinforcing the fact that sages are the new prophets, right? And this problem could go back to, the, to Ezra HaSofer, right? Ezra the scribe, whose function or what in, in rabbinic tradition is that he established study in the, in the marketplace. So he established Torah study in, on Mondays and Thursdays in the marketplace. 
Part of the rest of Amar Ameymar. And Ameymar then says, V'chacham adif mi navi. And a sage is greater or more important than a prophet. Shneemar v'navi levav chachma. Right, now that's a wonderful midrash. There's a whole work, the whole uh, verse there is, Limnot yemeno kein hoda. V'navi levav chachma. You have taught us to number our days. And there, in, in context, the Navi, Levav, Chokma, and to bring a heart of wisdom, they are rereading the last part, Vinavi, with a Yud, understanding it as a prophet, right? A prophet is in heart a sage, right? So the essence of, or the essence of a sage is prophecy, meaning that a sage is Chacham Adif Minavi. Now, there's a whole Long tradition about what is the relationship between a sage and a prophet, and whether the relation between rabbinic wisdom and prophecy, and this is, of course, as you might expect, an important discussion in mysticism and in the Kabbalistic circles in the 13th century and on, and also parallel in the philosophical circles of Maimonides, in which there's a there's a long discussion about the relationship between intellect, which is the sage and uh, the imagination, which is where the prophecy comes from. Okay, back to our Gemara. We're not going to go too far into that, though it's interesting. Mi nitla bimi. So who is dependent on who? Have omer katan nitla bigadol. So we should say that a the lesser person is dependent on the greater person. Amar teda. So Abaye says, a con along this, these lines, you should know. milta umit amra kavate. So what does this mean? If a great person says something, and that thing is said in the name of another great person, so therefore that's what it means. That is kind of like that is that is what they're saying. Is this is what we mean here by prophecy? Amarava umai kushim. So what's the question? Maybe they're both under the same astrological sign, and therefore they both say the same thing. Ella Amarava, rather Rava says, Teda, know that this is actually what it means. That it's not taken from the sages and given to the prophets. Teda, Gavra, the Amar Gavra Milta, Umit Amra Mishmei, Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef. So somebody says something, and then it is said in the name of Rabbi Kiva ben Yosef. So in other words, that seems to say that uh, there was something, he got something, traveled in some kind of mysterious prophetic way, um, and it couldn't be the same person, couldn't be the same mazal. Amaravashi, so Ravashi said, Umay Kushya, what's the question? Dilma laha milta bar mazalehu. Maybe on this question, they were they on this ish specific issue, they were part of the same astrological science. So therefore, they were mechavin los todavar. Therefore, they they were both alighted upon the same insight, even though it was Akiva ben Yosef. Akiva ben Yosef, of course, would be Akiva, um, who is kind of the avatar of the sages. He, along with Rabbi Yishmael, great Palestinian sages. Akiva was also an avatar of resistance to the Roman Empire, and on and on, as was Rabbi Ishmael. Rishel was found as a foundling in a prison in Rome. Rabbi Akiva was jailed in Eretz Yisrael, according to the various different legends, which don't all fit together. Okay. No, Ravashi says, know this. Da Amra Gavra Raba Milta Umit Amra Halacha Moshe Misinai Kivate. 
if a person says something, if a sage says something, and then that thing is repeated as a halacha l'moshem Sinai, as a law that came down, that was transmitted by Moshe from Sinai, or to Moshe from Sinai, according to him. And so that would seem to say, see, this person said it, didn't know that it was said by Moshe, and then found out that it was said by Moshe. And so he, how did he manage to coincidentally say the same thing? It must be that there is some sort of a prophecy. So the Stam says, no, v'dilma kesuma ba'aruba, v'lav tama yahiv. So now maybe he's just like a blind person walking in, you know, a blind person walking in a tunnel or a chimney, and he doesn't know it. He doesn't know why he said it. He doesn't know where he got it from. He just said it and doesn't understand it. Amar of Yochanan. Okay, so that's about prophecy. So prophecy was taken away from prophets and given to sages. Rabbi Yochanan says, Now we're going another sage from Eretz Israel, from the land of Israel. Rabbi Yochanan says, again, from the day that the temple was destroyed, from the time that the temple was destroyed, prophecy was taken away from prophets and given to fools and to babies. That's interesting. So what does it mean given to fools? So it's a, here's a story. It's like this thing that happened to Mar Baravashi, a Babylonian sage. He was in the area of Machoza. So the person who is the head of the yeshiva, who is going to rule now, who is going to be now the head of the yeshiva, in Matamachasia, which is one of the two places where the great yeshivot, great academies in Babel were, in Babylonia were, he signs his name Tavyume. So Amar Marbravashi said, Man Khatim Tavyume Birabanan, who amongst the rabbis signs their name Tavyume? Anna, me, I do that. That's me. That's me. I sign my name like that. Shmamina Lididi Kaimili Shata. So he says, So apparently it is my hour to now be the Roshi Shiva, be the head of the academy. Come. So he got up, Atta, and he went to Matamachasia uh, to assume his rule because this fool said it. Ada, Ata. So before, by the time he got there, Imnu Rabbanan Beresha. So the rabbis decided to, they had gotten together and they had decided amongst themselves to seat Rav Achamidifti, another guy, from another Babylonian sage, as the uh, head of the yeshiva. Came in the Shami, the Ata, so they heard the Ravashi, that uh, Marba Ravashi was coming. So they said, you know what? Before we do, do something final, let's go and get counsel from Marba Ravashi because he's also a great sage. And let's ask him or tell him that we're going to appoint uh, Ravacha Midifti. Akve. So they came to him and he, he uh, held him up. He started talking to them. So they sent another pair of rabbis, to, a pair of sages to him, and he also held them up. Until there were ten sages. Came to Malube Asara. When there were ten sages, Patahu Vitana Vidarash. So then he started giving class. Why? So since, because there are, they do not, uh, in the kala, kala is 
this uh, time in the summer when all the rabbis would get together and have like a, you know, a, a rabbi conference, rabbi convention, where they would learn Torah. There are some, some theories that the opening sugyot, the opening discussions of some masechtot, like kiddushin, are perhaps that which was taught at the Kala, because they seem to have the themes of the whole tractate in them. And you don't, and you need 10 people before you start teaching at a Kala. So he waited for 10 people, and then he started teaching. Kari Rav Acha Anafsheh, so Rav Acha said about himself, so in other words, now Marbar Ravashi is acting as the Rosh Yeshiva. But Rav Acha Midifti, who is supposed to be the Rosh Yeshiva, said about himself, Kola meri in lo, lo bimhera metivin lo. So all those who are cheered, who are, uh, are, are not, do not, it's not quickly that they, that they are favored or good stuff happens to them. And all those who good stuff happens to them, and not, they are not, it's not quick that they are cheered. Meaning that those who, be, those who are popular do not necessarily, um, those who are acclaimed, do not necessarily get advantage from it, and those who get advantage or get good stuff are not necessarily acclaimed, which is interesting because Kari Rav Acha Anafshe, Kari, he said about himself, or he read about himself, oftentimes refers to a verse, but this isn't a verse, and nor is it, and then again, it sounds also like something from Perkei from wisdom literature, rabbinic wisdom literature, but it's also not found in rabbinic wisdom literature, but it seems to be just a, a saying, and there are a lot of those also we have, and so Ravacha kind of seems to have reconciled himself to the fact that even though he would, would be appointed, Marbaravashi would still also be some sort of a rival to him. Okay, Tinoko. So remember, we said that prophecy was taken from sages and given to fools and babies. Tinoket Mahi. So when it says Tinoket, here is in the singular, what is the Tinoket? Ki had bat Rav Chista. This is like the daughter of Rav Chista. Aviyatva bekanfe de Avua. She was sitting in her her father's arms. Aviyatvi kame Rava v'Rami Barchama, and Rava and Rami Barchama sat opposite her. Amar la. So he said. So her father said to her. Rav Chista said to the to the baby. Man minayu bait. Who? Which of these do you want to marry? Amar le Travayu. So he said both of them. Amarava va'ana batra. So Rava, being quick on his feet, said, and you know what? I want to go last. <laughs> I want to go last. Because that means that the only way that she can marry both of them is that one is that she gets divorced from, or the first one dies or divorces and then she marries the second one. So Rava saying, you know, I think I want to live a long life. I'll be second. Okay. Amarava v'dimi d'min chayfa. Rabdimi from from Haifa says, Kodem Shiochal Adam Vishte, Yeshlo Shtelabavot, Lachar Shochel Shate, Enlo Ella Lev Echad. So this seems to be here because Rabdimi ben Haifa was the one who earlier said the first statement about taking prophecy away from the prophets and giving it to the sages. And now he has another statement. So he says, Before a person eats, he has two hearts. After he eats, he only has one heart, meaning one heart. And there, if for the in, in the antiquity, the heart was the mind. That's where intellect was seated. So in other words, before a person eats, he's of two minds. After a person eats, he's actually only of one mind. Why? Because there's ish navov yilavev. A person who is empty will 
be heartened. Uktiv navov luchot, and it also says hollow um, panels. And talking about the the tabernacle, mitargeminan chalil luchin, and we uh, the Aramaic translation is just that: empty panels, the uh, hollow panels. Amar of Huna braid Rav Yoshua. Rav Huna braid Rav Yoshua says. The son of Rabbi Yeshua says, "Haragil bayayin, one who drinks a lot of wine, afilu libo atum, not a lot of wine, one who drinks wine regularly, afilu libo atum, even if his heart, afilu libo atum kivtula, interesting state, statement, even if his heart is sealed up like a virgin, yayin mefakcho, the wine enlivens him, shneamar v'tirosh inovev betulot, because it says that the grape." Or wine will uh, enliven virgins, or being read that way. Okay, so now we're on to something completely different. Now we finished, so we had halacha, we had, and talking about dividing up the alleyway and the chatzirot, we had agada coming out of the prophecy. Who gets prophecies? Prophecy important, or is being a sage more important? And then in two ways, and now we're back to halacha, a different halacha. It has to do with, with land, but it's a different halacha. Amar Rav Huna braid Rav Yoshua. Rav Huna said in the name of your, uh, the son of Rav Yoshua said, Pshita, chelek b'chor b'chelek pashut, yavinan le'achad matra. So a, if a person, the eldest son, is given a double portion in inheritance. And it is a simple halacha that he can get them on the same side, achad matzah. The reason that that this has to be stated is that if you have a field and then you have another field next to it, so both fields are worth more to you because you save on plowing. You just plow a long straight line rather than having to plow in one place and then stop and taking your oxen and your plow over to another place and start again. Um, also, you, there are all kinds of ways in which you can build larger amounts on it. And you can do all kinds of things that you can do by having two pieces of property the same way. Um, and this is a, a law of bar matre, a budding property, which is an intervention in the market because usually we would say, usually actually in the capital, in our system, the capitalist system, since that second piece of field, that second field is worth more to the person who has a field abutting it, we could charge him more for it. And actually, they say that here the person next to it has right of first refusal on that field that is able to buy that field, and you can't keep it from them. Okay, so So it's obvious that if you, these, if a person is is an eldest, they can get both their regular part in the inheritance plus their second part for being the eldest on one side. Yavamai, but what if somebody is a child of a leveret marriage, meaning a man was married and died without children? So then, his, according to Torah and rabbinic law, his brother is has to, unless they do a specific ritual to get out of it, his brother has to marry the widow of the first brother, and then the brother's children are considered as the first brother's children. So, as a bechor, right? So there, the laws of of the eldest apply. So, but what happened? But is that true 
about having a piece of property uh, next to another piece of property, the bar matzah laws. Amar Abaya, he he. So Abaya said, yeah, it's the same same exact thing. My time, uh, why? Bechor karya rachmana. Because he was called a bechor, according uh, in, in the Torah, he's called a, a bechor, because it says in Deuteronomy, Bahaya ha bechor asher teleid yakum al shem achiv hamet v'loyim cheshmo Yisrael. And the eldest that is born shall be called, shall be named after the dead brother, and the dead brother's name will not be raised in Israel. So he's called a Bechor. So he is a Bechor. Rava Amar, but Rava says, no. Amar Krabaya Bechor, Rava says, read the Pasuk closely, and it says, and the Bechor will be, he is created as a Bechor. His being is Bechorness. Is the eldest son, but he doesn't get the eldest son division. Okay. Now, since we talked about the Dina de Baramatsra, the laws of two fields that are limitrophe to each other, Hahu de Zavin Ara Amatsra de Beinasha. There is one if a, a person who bought land that is right next that is that is that abuts his family's property. Kikapalgu, when they divide up the inheritance, um, when they divided up the inheritance, Amarle, Pligali Amatsrai says, give me a piece of land that's next to my piece of land. Now, it's not clear whether that was intentional or that happened to be the piece of land that he wanted to buy, but probably, you know, he was thinking ahead. Amar Rabba, so Rabba said, Here's an interesting principle. So this is, Rabba says, yes, you have to give it to this. And we force the brothers to give him that land because it is Midat Stom if he doesn't. In other words, Stom in the rabbinic imagination is the height of immorality, but specifically the height of immorality in terms of relationships around property and ownership. The story of Stone, one of the Midrashic understandings of the story of Sodom is that, and this is actually based on Ezekiel, Ezekiel says what was the abomination of Sodom is that you had great resources and you didn't share them with the other cities around. And then the rabbinics, one of the, the Midrashic readings of Sodom is that God heard God went down and see if Stone, if what was going on there was like the cry of stone and the Midrash in Breshit Rabbah says that what does that mean? It means that God heard the cry of one young woman. And what was that cry? Woman was going and had a bucket and no food. And so, and didn't have any food to feed her family. So another young woman gave her or split her own food with this hungry woman. And people saw that and they took the woman who split her food who divided her food, who gave her food as charity to the other woman, and they killed her. Right? And that's the cries. The cries of that woman who was killed was the cries that God heard and went down and destroyed Sodom. It's also interesting that the, the Perkei it says, what is midat stom? Shali, shali, v'shelcha, shelcha. That the, the aspect of Sodom is mine is mine and yours is yours. It seems to be that some kind of raising private property to a religious dogma, um, that is what Sodom did. So, Kofino midat stone that you force a person to not be Sodom-like is applied here in refusing to give this piece of property that abuts the piece of property that the guy had is just for no reason. You're just being you're just being mean and immoral. Okay, uh, so Rabbi says this can go and say kofino midat stone. 
in the, this manner, one uh, forces him because of the midat, because of not being like stone. Mat kifla Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef attacked him and said, No, Amri Achi Malinan Iluye Kinichse Debe Marion. So he said, No. So his brothers can say to him, My brother, we just like that property. That piece of property is the most worthwhile piece of property, so we don't have to, we don't want to give it to you because it's worth a lot. Yosef. So, and the halacha is actually like Rabbi Yosef. Another case, Tre Arita Atre Nagre, if there are two pieces of land and there are two water sources. Amaraba Raba says, So if that's true, so then the water source, the the both lands seem to be exactly equal. So you should give the guy the one he wants, and if you don't do it, you and if you if you refuse to do it, so that's a being a sodomite. And so you can force the brothers to give that the piece of property next to the brother's own piece of property. Matkifla Rav Yosef, so Rav Yosef once again attacked him. Zimnin the Haimadvil, the Haila Madvil, because sometimes this water source works and sometimes that water source works, and it's not assured. So therefore you there there is a logical reason for desiring one piece of land over the other. Behilchatak Rav Yosef, and he once again the halacha is like Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef is on a roll here. Tarte Achad Nagra. So how about if you have two pieces of property and they both get the water from the same source, so they're exactly the same. Amar of Yosef, So Yosef here agrees that if the brothers don't want to give the property that's next to the property that was already bought by one of the brothers, so that we force them to give it to him because that is actually midatstam. That is actually being sodomite-like. Matkifla Abaye, but Abaye now picks up the picks up the fight and says. Matiyamar ba'ina da afish arise. He said one of the brothers could say, "I want that piece of property because I want to enlarge the number of of peasants that I have on my land." Right? The hilchetak Rabbi Yosef and say, "No, Rabbi Yosef is right. That it is that you that this is midat stone to not give it to the brother." Afushe lav miltahi to to have a, a the ability to have more. Peasants on your land or serfs on your land is not a, is not considered a, a a sufficient halachic argument. Chad gisa nagra v'chad gisa nara palginan le bakarnazol. So now, what happens if one side there is if on one side there is a water source, meaning like a, a well, and on the other side there is a river. So what do we do in that case? We divide it on the diagonal so that both pieces of land can benefit from both water sources. This division of land and not being a sodomite is the point at which we end this week's Daf Shui, this week's Daf page, um, Aryeh Cohen, Thank you for joining me. Once again, of course, I want to thank Ellie Unger-Sargon, who makes this podcast listenable by sound by editing the sound. Oh, and now this podcast is available on all the places, uh, Apple and Spotify and Stitcher. And please go there and like it if you like it. If you don't like it, just keep that to yourself and tell other people about it and et cetera and so forth. Okay, be well. Have a great week.